0: Welcome back, Fight Fans. This is another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast. And I think to start this episode off, I think we need to really touch on the fact that we've got a worldwide pandemic going on. Everybody knows about the coronavirus and what it's doing to people and the lives it's taking. We're in the UK, and and as we record this, we've now been put on a bit of a lockdown, so to speak. We're not allowed to leave our houses uh, unless it's for essential things and it's it's creating a lot of scary and uncertain times for people people losing jobs myself and johnston have kind of decided that in the midst of everything that's going on i think it's only right we kind of try and bring you something for the main feed for our content something that's going to hopefully give people a bit of an escape from reality to what's going on at the moment and I think the advice, all I've got to say, first and foremost, is if the government, wherever you're listening to this from, has has told you to stay home, then please stay home. Please do everything that the government are telling you to do because you need to try and save lives. You need to stay indoors and save lives and think about the safety and the well-being of yourself and your family. So we've decided to kind of lighten the spirits a little bit for this episode and go with the flow. And we're going to do a Fantasy Fights episode. It's been a long time coming. And Johnston um, I'm really excited to do it but obviously it seems to be in surreal circumstances that we've we've having to do this
2: oh my god that's an understatement isn't it my goodness me it is such a surreal time for all of us and uh and I think that you know the one thing I'd say I'd echo is the fact that we all should just stay at home seriously I mean that people are, we've seen it the pictures of people traveling into work and stuff and And I completely understand it and who are key workers who aren't. I mean, I've been put in that category myself, working for the NHS as my wife. And, you know, it is really difficult times for us all. And and it is literally, I mean, you know, I I really don't know what to say. I've never lived through anything like this before in my life. And just just look after yourself, look after your family, you know, be safe. You know, that is the the, the paramount of all this. and, and, And what the government said, what Boris Johnson said last night, you know, you've got to stay at home. So just listen to that. You know, you are saving lives by staying home. It sounds crazy. You know, the weather's nice. You know, if you've got a garden, cut your garden, or you know, do some do something around the house. You know, just keep yourself busy. Get what you need, and just get in and stay at home. But um, really, uh, such a really weird time, and it, we're hearing all these deaths. It's just it's just rising. Seen what's happening in Italy, you know we don't want to end up that way. So we're going to lighten the mood a little bit and just talk about something a little bit, uh, you know, for the boxing fans that is, and and, and just uh, something else to take your mind off of what's what's happening in the world today.
0: Well, there's been no boxing on now for the next couple of months because obviously all sporting events and mass gatherings have been cancelled. So all the big fights that were coming up are now off so we, we need to do something in the interim to keep boxing fans entertained and I think the fantasy fights is always something I've wanted to do and, and the amount of debates I've seen on social media about fantasy fights about who could beat who and how they could do it and I thought maybe this is a good time for us to do this during this uncertain time is to bring something that's a little bit more light-hearted for, for boxing fans and this is exactly what we're going to try and bring to you today and obviously this is not something we're going to try and analyse as such when it comes down to the fights We just it's just pure fun this is just pure fun and talking about fights that everybody wants to talk about and i always go back to the coming to america film in the barbershop scene when they're all talking about the heavyweights and joe (laughs) lewis and rocky marciano and muhammad ali and tyson and you know it's it, it just wants to bring something different so we're gonna we're gonna go through a few different fights throughout different weight categories we're gonna briefly touch on the fighters we're gonna touch on who wins the fight, how it would go down, and let's just have a bit of fun and and hopefully lighten the mood to everything that's going on at the moment. So I'd like to... I think I'm going to go with a big hitter straight away, to be honest with you, and I think the one fantasy fight that I always see debated on social media and in various different websites is in the heavyweight division, and it's between the greatest Muhammad Ali and the phenomenon of the 80s, which was Mike Tyson. This is a fight that everybody wanted to see everybody talks about a fight that could go either way there's computer simulations you you see it on the fight night series games people are are always trying to simulate how this fight would go down and i think i just wanted to bring a little bit of a different spin to things really and talk about it. i mean we've done a career profile on both of these fighters tyson and ali for our career profiles podcast so if you want to hear a little bit in depth about their careers and their lives go and check that out on the career profiles podcast a little cheap plug there from us but this this is this is a fight that I've always wanted to see, and I think Johnston, I'll hand it over to you, and and I want to hear your thoughts on this fight, and I want to hear your thoughts on how how you think this would play out if this, in theory, ever happened.
2: I mean, what a fantastic fight it would have been. I mean, ask me ten years ago, and I would have said Mike Tyson and Dan. I really, I really felt that when we were talking about peak here as well you know these are at their peaks of their era and and I I felt that Mike Tyson was just ferocious you know the way he would just you know he'd knock people people out for fun I mean people will mention the fact that it was the era he was in and some of the fighters weren't that great but you know he did literally destroy many many fighters but asking me now you know honestly I can't go against my man Muhammad Ali I just still think he would find a way he's just about him, he, he just had this ability what he'd done against George Foreman, we've done another plug here, but you know, the rumble in the jungle and the way he dealt with George Foreman would he have done the same thing with Mike Tyson I think, I believe that with Foreman being a little bit taller as well, I think that would have played into Arlie's favour and I think Arlie would have been able to nullify Mike Tyson, those early exchanges to take Tyson beyond sort of round five I think you're in Arlie territory now and I think Arlie boxes his head off and um and I think Tyson would flag a little bit. Saying that, if he catches Arlie, would he would he put him down? Possibly. I think you could have seen even Arlie go down early in the fight. But I just think he had powers of recovery. He had the wit about him in the ring. He had the speed. He had the footwork. And I just think he causes the most amount of trouble for Mike Tyson in the latter stages of the fight. For me, I think he wins it. And I think he stops him as well late on for me. I would go Arlie late, late stoppage. Like, Again, are we talking about 12-15 rounds here? This is the other thing. Um, If it's 12 rounds, Tyson's probably got half a chance of maybe getting a a close decision. If it's a 15-rounder, Arley wins this. I think he stops it. If it's 15 rounds, he stops it. If it's 12 rounds, I think he probably goes a distance and Arlie nicks it. So, for me, I'd go, Ali. What do you think, Sean?
0: Oh, tell you, I don't want to be like agreeing with everything that you say, but I'm, I'm struggling to to see Tyson winning this fantasy fight, to be honest with you. I mean, the one thing about Tyson's career, when we look back on it compared to Ali's career, is that Tyson, when the going got tough at times, the the heart didn't always seem to be there. And the Buster Douglas upset is obviously the one thing that I think about when I think about Tyson. And I think about... You know that heart was broken on that particular night, and you know how big of a heart Ali had as a fighter, and the depths he would go to. You know he broke; he got his jaw broken against Ken Norton. You know he got he got dropped early in fights. He he went through some hellacious fights with Joe Frazier. Obviously, we've got the the Rumble in the Jungle, of course, which we've covered for Legendary Nights recently. So you think about everything that. Muhammad Ali has the attributes, the physical attributes, the stature, the ability to box on the back foot, the the rope-a-dope tactic, of course, you know, not forgetting letting someone like Tyson try and pound him on the ropes for Ali to just absorb it and come off with some counter-rights. It's, there's there's so many possibilities. I don't want to say Tyson hasn't got a chance in a fantasy fight like this, because of course he does. Of course he could get on the chest of Muhammad Ali and throw them up a course and rip them up there. But Muhammad Ali was just a -a one-of-a-kind fighter. And I think for me personally, if I was picking a winner in this fight, it's got to be Muhammad Ali. There's no question about it. There's no question at all. People will argue the shit about Mike Tyson could do this, that, and the other. And I just don't think... Regardless of what people thought of Mike Tyson in his peak, and we are talking peak Mike Tyson against peak Muhammad Ali here, and for me, Muhammad Ali in his peak absolutely dances rings around a guy like Mike Tyson due to the style that he's got and due to the style that Tyson's got, and I think it'd be a really, really interesting and intriguing fight, and I think it'd be a late knockout for Muhammad Ali. If it was 15 rounds, I think he'd, I think he'd end it by twelve because I think Tyson would be gassed by that point. Yeah. If it was a twelve round fight, I think you're looking at maybe six, six, seven rounds. And I think he wears him down and he breaks his heart and he beats Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali comes out the victor in that one.
3: And listen, um, I always like to think I'm a bad motherfucker, vicious motherfucker. I'm, a, I don't give a fuck. But um, that's a part of Ali. That's that's where he overshines me because I can't understand a man that's willing to really, really die for this, you know. And I talk that shit. But he he's the real dick, you know. Me, fuck me. Um, Ali's a giant. No way, there's no way that other fighters can match him. He'd die for this shit. He'd die. I'm not gonna die for this.
2: Yeah, I, I can't. I can't see it any other way. Um, I, I mean, even we were talking Pete Tyson here, and he was knocking people out through the guard. I just don't think he could do that against Ali. I think if he come up, if he would have been in the era of a Joe Frazier and a Foreman and an Ali. And even, you know, even a, a Sonny Liston, I think Tyson would have, it would have just been, you know, for instance, if you had, I mean, we are not going to jump onto other fantasy fights, but just vaguely touch on it. I mean, if you had Sonny Liston, Mike Tyson, that fight would be over in six rounds. It'd be a matter of who lands. Yeah. And and the same with, with Mike Tyson and George Foreman, and even Frazier. And they would all beat each other. It's just Ali had something else. He just had that. And that's why he's the greatest of all time. And that's why I can't, I just can't see it any other way. I really can't. I just think Ali just just had the know-how to to beat someone like a Mike Tyson.
0: What fantasy fights have you brought to the table for the episode? Well, one of my favourite fantasy
2: fights of all time, and I would have loved to have seen it, and they were just shy of of, of their decades. Is uh, is is marvelous Marvin Hagler against Carlos Monzon. I just I love the middleweight division. I know we all do because it, it's got the power and it's also got the speed. You know, unless you're talking about Ali, who's got both in the heavyweight division, I, I just, that fight for me, just, just it's just a, a, a fight. I honestly, I struggle to call because they both had unbelievable chins. I mean, and they're both aggressive fighters. Carlos Monzon, considering the fact that, uh, you know, I'm doing a little bit of research on Carlos Monzon recently, and the fact that he smoked five packets of cigarettes a day, Carlos Monzon. <laughs> I don't know it's insane, and you, you're talking probably Camel back then. You know what I mean? These ain't no light fags; these are proper fags, and. And you know he had an um, had an unbelievable engine. He had an iron chin and iron lungs by the sounds of it. <laughs> this guy was. I mean, if he didn't smoke, I, I dread to think how good he could have been. And obviously, Marvous Marvin Marvin Hagler for another fantastic fighter, was done a career profile. I, I just I honestly struggle to pick up. It goes from one day to the next with these two because I've seen a lot of footage of what we can find on ones on, and obviously High Hagler and doing his career profile. But oh. What a fight! And I just honestly, I, they're my two favourite middleweights of all time. I don't think anyone in the middleweight game across all the years, even if you you find Stanley Ketchum, you found Bob Fitzsimmons, Jake LaMotta, Mickey Walker, Tiger Flowers, Bernard Hopkins, even Ray Robinson. Honestly, I don't think at middleweight any of those two. I think I think they beat them all, and that's just me being honest. As a, as a fight itself, I think it goes either way. I think it goes the distance. I don't even if it's 12 rounds, 15 rounds, whatever you want to give it. Uh, it, I think it goes. It, it varies, whoever approaches the fight. I, I, I tend to just edge towards Monzon just slightly just because he just those people. Uh, Marvin, Marvin would have been the same, but he was a switch hitter. Oh, I don't know. I honestly could see it being split decision, split decision. One win, Monzon, one win, one win, Hagler. I honestly could not call it. You put a pole out, it'd be so close. I
0: don't know. What do you think, Sheldon? I really can't call it. It's an amazing fight. It's a, it's a brilliant fight. And it's also a fight that, if it would ever have happened, you know, again, we're talking fantasy, we're talking theory, it would have arguably given us definitively the greatest middleweight of all time because these two are, for me, the greatest middleweights of all time. Monzon and then, obviously, Hagler followed him in, in decades. And these are two fighters that you can't argue with in the middleweight division. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about Marvin Hagler, and his career profile that we've done and and the loss to Sugar Ray Leonard which we've covered in our Legendary Knights Series 2 now I'm not really discounting that loss because that loss was controversial and that was argued and we've had that debate on that particular episode but for me when you look at his whole career when he got to the level he got to to fight the elite fighters I mean look what he did to, to, to guys like Tommy Hearns the Hagler Hearns fight of course and then you've got him beating obviously Duran struggled but he overcame it and then obviously you've got the tough Sugar Ray Leonard fight the John McGarvey fight there's so many fights you can think about and you've got Carlos Montang's career the way he would bulldoze his way for the opponents as well and and I think these two these two in a ring together I think you'd get a a, a 15 round slugfest should oh. it be a 15 round fight I think you'd get a slugfest. I I don't know if you'd actually see a knockout in this because both of them had cast iron chins. You were saying about him, Monson having a cast iron chin and iron lungs, but Hagler, Hagler's (laughs) chin as well. Hagler's chin, I mean, we talked about his, his career profile when he only had one knockdown in his career, which was debatable. He was never really knocked down in some people's eyes. So for me these two going in the ring together, it would be like the old cliche saying of a fight in a phone box because these two would probably not take a backward step and you'd see these two on the inside slugging it out and I can tell you, the day after this fight, they'd both be pissing blood.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, they would. And, and yeah, I mean, it'd be, it just, honestly, they're like even key for me. It's just a shame that obviously Monson being in the sort of 60s, 70s, era sort of early 70s as well really was in peak and then you got Hagler who obviously in the 80s it was just literally a decade away from each other it was so close that they they had a fall. I mean it would have been incredible but you know Monson for me is going to Italy and then beating Nino and Avites and, and, and that was yeah, a huge upset and then to go and repeat the same feat and knock him out in like four rounds or whatever it was I mean it's just brilliant and I honestly, it's just one of them fights. It's a firm up. You, you, anyone could pick it. I could. I, I would agree with you one day and then change them on the next. It's just a, an absolute belt and one fight that I honestly couldn't pick.
3: Well, at the time, I thought I would have done very well, you know. Uh, but Carlos, you know, I give him a lot of respect. I mean, he was uh, a real true uh, uh, champion. And the only thing that disappointed me because I tried to uh, tie his record with one more um, title defense, and I would have tied it at fourteen. I think that something was in the makings of me not really doing that, so uh, you know I, so you know, I could have had that, that's how close I was, but I think it would have been a great fight between me and Carlos Monzon, which this guy had a terrible right hand, I mean something like a Tommy Hearns, I mean he can knock you out like that, very tall, awkward, you know what I mean, but uh, and but well, he was a great
2: champion. Yes Mary what would be your next one?
0: Oh, this is a cracking one. This is one that has always um, been debated about over the years. So we've got a current fighter, or recently retired fighter, in Floyd Mayweather in the welterweight division. So this would be a welterweight matchup against Sugar Ray Robinson. Now that for me, would be for all the marbles. That is is two of the best welterweights of all time. Arguably, the two best welterweights of all time. You put Sugar Ray Leonard in there behind him and you've got a trio of fantastic fighters. You throw Tommy Hearns in there. You've got another fantastic fighter. But this fantasy fight for me would have to be Floyd Mayweather Jr. and Sugar Ray Robinson. Sugar Ray Robinson, you know, again, cheap plug, we've recently done a career profile on him. (laughs) And to go through his career and to look back on the fights that he was involved in, the way he was always above everybody that was in front of him, the adversity he came through, the fights, the length of time he went on for. I think... In his peak against a peak Floyd Mayweather, I think you'd see a really, really exciting fight because you've got a guy in Floyd Mayweather who's sublime with his boxing skills, absolutely sublime, and his defence is, is unbelievable. One of the best defences in boxing ever, of course, and his obviously 50-0 record. You can't really argue with, with the achievements that, he, that he's done in his boxing career, but how would he fare against a guy like Sugar Ray Robinson? How would he be able to cope with Sugar Ray Robinson, a guy who could hit you on the back foot and knock? You out. How could he do that? You know, this is the big question with, with a fantasy fight like this. And to be honest, it's it's a difficult one. This is one where I've struggled to put a clear winner in my mind of how this one would go down. I think with it we've taking bias away from it, I think if I was gonna pick a winner for this one, I'd have to pick Sugar Ray Robinson. And I think that's probably because. We've recently done a career profile on him for the podcast and the the way he was able to overcome all these different levels of fighters and and the fighters he had on his resume were legendary but then it's an argument for Floyd Mayweather as well because you look at some of the fighters on his resume as well and he's got some legendary names on there, names that are certainly already gone into the Hall of Fame or are going to go into the Hall of Fame. But I don't want to bring too much bias into this conversation because we both got our thoughts on, on Floyd Mayweather and Sugar Ray Robinson. I want to keep this purely about how this fight would go down. So, Mayweather-Robinson, talk to me about it. How how do you see this one going down?
2: I think for me, I think at welterweight, I think Floyd Mayweather would, would struggle to be able to sort of, although his defensive skills are, you know, you can't that how great they are. I just think that because he was so defensive, I think it would just played into someone like Sugar Ray Robinson's hands. I just think I'm with you, Sean. I think I think Sugar Ray had this knack, especially at welterweight. I mean, he didn't. He picked up a title late in his career, but you're talking that, and we don't really see footage of of Sugar Ray Robinson. What you do see when you when you when you actually can it, and what you've read, you know, he was just a monster, uh, and and I, you know that's why he is the for me he is the greatest at 147 pounds. Just over 10 stone, he was just outstanding. Um, and I just think he always found a way. He was so smart in the ring. And I think with Mayweather, sort of his own pot shots for me. I think he wouldn't be able to do that with someone like Sugar Ray Robinson. And also Floyd Mayweather Jr. always needs advantages. You know, now Floyd Mayweather, he wouldn't fight him at welterweight. He would decide to try and drain some weight off of Ray Robinson and, and push him further down into like a junior welterweight or something like that just to get an advantage. But welterweight 147 pounds, when you Ray Robinson was a hundred percent at his peak, and he was in a comfortable state at that weight when he wasn't sort of struggling at the weight i think he, he i think he beats may River, and I think he honestly I know may River's never been stopped, he's never been beaten, but I just think that you know at Ray robinson I just can't see may River winning the fight i think I think Robinson would probably stop him as well. I honestly believe that just the way. You know he had power in both hands, and as you said on the retreat, he could he could knock you out. On I mean, who who ever see that? As the first, you'd ever seen of it. And you could you could put you could put Sugar Ray Robinson in the weight division today, and what he had back then in the fifties and the forties, he, he would he basically had he was ahead of his time, way ahead of his time, that he wouldn't look out of place. You know, you stick some other older fighters, they would look slow, they'd look leggy, they'd be flat-footed. Not Sugar Ray Robinson, he was he just had this ability, you know, now you watch. If anyone watches uh, Muhammad Ali as a heavyweight, he is an almost a mirror image of a Sugar Ray Robinson. But as a heavier fighter, he mirrored himself on Sugar Ray Robinson. And I just think that his work effort, he's, he's smartest in the ring, he's he's ammo in both hands, and the fact that he ain't going down. I mean Mayweather's never really, really been put through it. And apart from the Costello fight, where really he put him under a bit of pressure, blooded his nose a little bit. Mayweather would never feel pressure like that uh, and for me I think Sugar Ray Robinson I think he beats him I think it knocks him out yeah that's just the way I see it I can't see it any other way personally
0: I'm sure that's going to go down well with the masses when they uh, <laughs> when they listen to that or the Floyd Mayweather lovers will be absolutely cursing you when they hear that it's a fantastic one so what other ones have you got?
2: Right okay so I mean I was, I was looking at lightweight but I just I can't at lightweight, I think because we've done a, a, a poll recently and it was a very tight poll. And I still, you know, for me, my my best ever lightweight, um, and many others, I'm sure is Roberto Duran. But I would love to have seen Roberto Duran against Panel Whitaker just because <laughs> of the difference in styles, and just to see how that would have panned out. I mean, we've we've seen how Roberto Duran fared against Sugar Empton in the second fight, and obviously the famous non-ass fight, and then Panel Whitaker in again when we, we mentioned the masterclass of, of Floyd Mayweather. Bennell Whitaker is alongside Mayweather Junior. For me, Bennell Whitaker was just his outstanding. He had his, his knack to be able to—he he could just almost see fights in slow motion. When I'm watching fight, I feel like he's almost like—you know—he can—he can see a shot coming. He can—he can move it away and pop you twice before you even know it. So for me, I mean, I, again, what what I, I'm always going to go Duran because I just think Duran at lightweight was a monster. I Just couldn't see him getting beaten by anybody. But if anyone could beat him. Honestly, maybe Pennell Whittaker could. At, at that division, I think Pennell Whittaker was an outstanding fight. I mean, obviously, we recently lost Pennell and, and I think sometimes he just gets a bit overlooked. But uh, what a great fight. I mean, I would go Duran, and I think Duran would just eventually wear him down. But saying that, Pennell has just got this fantastic ability to, you know, make, I, I sort of feel like Pennell Whitaker. He might be a bit tailor-made for Duran. When we see Arlie and Ken Norton, for instance, he's a bit like a bogeyman, wasn't he, Ken Norton, yeah. for Arlie? I think, I think Penel Whitaker could have been that guy for Duran.
0: Duran was just an awesome fighter. Duran. He he would adapt to all styles, and that's what yeah. I think we, we enjoyed covering his career when we did the, his profile as well for career profiles. We enjoyed looking at the versatility of the fighters he'd go in the ring with. Obviously, he beat Sugar Ray Leonard in the brawl in Montreal, at a legendary night we've also covered. And in that particular fight, he was able to nullify a, a slick counterpuncher, a slick boxer puncher like Sugar Ray Leonard. And you know, Pennell Whittaker, he's defensive genius. He was a defensive genius, and he would be arguably better than Floyd Mayweather when it comes to his defensive genius. Like you said, you know, you could you could try and hit him, and he would have popped you three or four times before you've even seen the first one coming. And he was the guy was like the Matrix. That was what the guy was yeah. like. He was absolutely unbelievable. And in terms of how this fight would go down, it's a difficult one because. If you look at the the styles and the contrasting styles that they've both got, you, you'd expect maybe a Duran would be able to break him down and and, and get through that defensive genius of of Pernell Whitaker and and eventually go on to stop him. But then, a part of me feels like when Sugar Ray Leonard, absolutely embarrassed Roberto Duran in the No Mass fight. Obviously, there were circumstances surrounding it regards to Duran's weight of that fight. But I mean, I think that night was meant to be with, with Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran. And I think Sugar Ray Leonard on his top night was, was able to beat him and I think he would have I think he would have certainly in his peak time would have beat him again handily. And I think Pennell Whitaker would do the same to Roberto Duran. And I am gonna obviously go against you in terms of a of a pick for a fight here because I think Pennell Whitaker's genius would have been too much for a guy like Duran. Duran would have got frustrated yeah. for me and he would have come forward, he got frustrated and tried to throw these shots and, and left himself open to the the smart counter punching style of a Pennell Whitaker and I think I think it would go the distance. I think it would be a twelve round fight and I think it would go the distance and I think Pennell would get a, a lopsided decision against a guy like Duran. But Duran would be there. He would make it competitive all the way through the fight. But I just couldn't see him getting enough on to Pernell Whitaker to actually really hurt him, beat him, and that is why for me this particular fantasy fight I'd have to go with pinel Whitaker right, as the yeah. winner.
2: That's it. I say, mean, I I can't argue. I mean, it, it, I could see that happening. Um, I just think Duran just had this ability, I mean, the way he could evade shots himself in close quarters, whereas Pennell wouldn't have faced anything like that before. I think that would have caused him to problems. But his peak Pennell was outstanding, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, it, it could go either way. It really could. I mean, I could. Again, I mean, I'll I'll just go Durand Randers because I've always got him as the greatest lightweight. But I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean just because of that he wins this fight in particular. I just think that you know, I think you, I think you could be bang on, mate. And I think, as we as I just mentioned, I mean, you you know, Ken Norton for instance against Ali. You know, Ken Norton is no way. Better than Ali, but I just think sometimes these guys just have the ability to just, you know, to become the boogeyman. And I think yeah. that
3: could be the boogeyman. The greatest fighters in the world come from out of the 1990s. So that whole decade, you'll never get another decade like that of Good. great fighters. And you can chase the money all you want to, but you still got to get your ass in the gym and train. Everybody wanted to compete against the best not cherry picking no fights and picking fights you know you're supposed to win these fights you want to get in there with the best fight i think that's it's only fair to do that for the fans people who watch you or subscribe to watching you or pay pay pay-per-view you want the fans want to see the best fight the best and i think they deserve to have that there is no more pernell there would never be another pernell with i think i just got a better my style is is sucking to none. It's no I'm not it's in the closet now. It's not coming back out here. My defense I like to do the matrix, man. I want you to miss. Yeah, I wanna do the matrix.
0: Definitely. So another interesting fight, one that probably will attract more towards us British fans, is one that we was probably not far away from getting at one point in time in the super middleweight division so we had Joe Calzaghe who was the best super middleweight in the world at the time obviously going on to beat all comers uh, at that particular era of time in the back end of the 2000s you've got Cal Froch who was a guy who was just coming into his own at the time Calzaghe was coming towards the end of his career and Cal Fox was calling Joe Carzagi out for probably about a year before he before he won his world title against Jean Pascal in two thousand and eight and it's a fight that was always spoke about over that course of them 12 months between 2007 and 2008 Cal Froch was a rising star Joe Calzaghe obviously had moved up to to light like heavyweight at this point he'd obviously fought Hopkins and then finished with Jones Jr but at the super middleweight division Cal Frotch versus Joe Calzaghe is a fight that intrigues a lot of people because on one hand you've got a guy in Cal Froch who was he had the ability to be able to take any shots and withstand any shots, but also be able to grind down his opponents throughout the course of a fight. Whereas on the opposite corner, you've got a guy like Joe Kazagi who was renowned for his, his his speed and his ability to just get in and out of the pocket so quick that you couldn't even get a glove on him. His performance against Joseph Lacey in 2006 is one of the greatest British performances in a boxing ring of, of all time. Unbelievable fight. And that makes me wonder... Who would win this particular fight with these two men? And I, I'm going to find it difficult to to really give an answer on this one because I think I could see either man winning this one in a certain way. I've got no sort of definitive, and I think it really would depend on on the mental mind games going into the fight. I think Cal Frotch was we've seen it in his career that at times he would get a little bit too over emotionally involved in fights and I think with Joe Calzaghi there's not really a lot of that throughout his career he was just very calculated and he'd just go in there and do his job and he'd get out of the ring and he'd do it in a good fashion as well he wasn't known for obviously having really hard punching power his hands were quite knackered towards the end of his career it's well known about his hands but he had the ability to be able to just outbox any style of opponent, and and he retired undefeated with forty six wins. He retired as a super middleweight champion. He moved up, and then he goes to the light heavyweight, wins titles in the light heavyweight division. You know, he he's one of the greatest boxers to come out of Britain and Wales. He's unbelievable. So it's a difficult one to call for me. How do you how do you see a fight between these two going down?
2: Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, I always just as you're talking now, I just always. I remember Bernard Hopkins saying about Joe Calzaghe, saying that he wasn't a, a concussive punch by any means, but he'd hit you so many times they were like bee stings. He would literally just keep hitting you, and it would just like you just feel beastings all over your body. That's how he basically analysed the fight he had with Joe Calzaghe, and and I think that's a similar way. I mean, the, the one thing I think about with, with Carl Froch is the one time he was really out class was against Andre Ward. So for me, I mean, Andre Ward. He, he just he, he would do what I believe Joe Calzaghe would have done in his peak, and that's just. Although he wouldn't have been as elusive in terms of being on the back foot, because I think he would have gone in at close quarters, and, and he had the ability to throw a combination and move out of danger, and and make someone look really bad. And I think at times, I mean, going to, you know think about the George Groves first fight, Groves' big moments in that fight made Cole Frotch look pretty amateur. And that was just my opinion. And although, obviously, you know, we all know what happened, you know, and how, how significant that what that fight was for boxing in, in our era. But I just I think that Calzaghe, with his head screwed on, ready to go, dad beside him, you know, and as you say, Cole Foch, with all his emotions, hands down, and looking to try and catch a shot, I think he'd get frustrated. And I think that Joe would just eventually wear him down to the point where he'd just take a, a points decision. Um, and, and, Joe, one thing as well, one for you. But we don't really mention with Joe Calzaghi. You know, he he got put down a couple of times. All right, against sort of like Jones Jr. when he was obviously a bit older. But even if if Cole caught him, I still think Calzaghe would have got up, and I think he would have just carried on and doing what he what he needed to do. And I think, uh, although I love, I, I'm a massive admirer of Cole Foch. You know, I, I've been, I've I've been a fan. He's annoyed me, and then I've liked him again. But. No, as a personality. In the ring, he's just been great to watch. He's very entertaining. But I just think Kalzaki just did it for me. I just think he has the ability to... You know, he was undefeated for a reason. And and that's because he, he was able to just box his way to victory. And I think he would do the same thing. I think,
0: I think you've won me over with that speech, to be honest with you. I think... Um, <laughs> <laughs> now you've put it like that. I think, honestly, when I think back about the both careers of them, and I think actually... And I think a lot of people would agree with this as well that Calzaghe would probably outbox him. And I think the Andre Ward fight is probably the best comparison you can make to to, to a Joe Calzaghe-Kyle Froch fight because I think that's how it'd go. I think if it was going to go anyway, I'd be more in favour of Calzaghe winning it in a fashion Andre Ward did where he outboxes cal Froch for the majority of the fight, towards the end of the fight, cal Froch starts to come back, maybe starts to get a little bit through onto Karl and, and gives us a really good last three or four rounds. But ultimately Carlzaggi's boxing brilliance is, is, is probably just too much for cal Froch and know not not discrediting Frotch because he was unbelievable at what he did as a fighter. He was effective at what he did as a fighter, but Joe Carlzaggi was more effective at what he did. And I think that would be the telling yeah. factor. And that, that is why I'll, I'll side with you on this one. And I will say that if these two ever got in the ring, if this would have ever happened, I think Joe Calzaghe would have won this one for me. I'll
2: tell you what's on the top of the agenda. I'll come back to America. I love this place. But Joe Calzaghe was using the excuse, nobody knows who I am in America. Now everybody in America knows who I am. So he's got no excuse now. Joe Calzaghi's next. If he gets himself out of armchair, gets himself back in the gym, let's have a fight for the British fans and the rest of the world.
1: Let's. Do you do believe it. you can talk him into that? I think I can get him out of there. You know, I don't
2: think he's he's got enough bottle, but I'm there, I'm champ. I've defended champ It's a big name in America. I've shown people what I can do. So where's Calzaghi? Get yourself out of your armchair and come and have a fight. It's only
0: boxing. Don't worry about it. Let's get it on.
3: Two words, speed kills. <laughs> speed kills. At the
0: end of the day, I make good I make uh, good opponents look ordinary. There's a reason 46 and
3: 46-0 and retired with undisputed super middleweight champion ring magazine like the heavyweight champion enough said
2: yeah i'm with you and 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 sticking i think sticking with the super middleweight and obviously you know speaking about andre ward i think you know for the american fans in particular we've just spoke about a british fight i think for me another fantasy fight would be roy jones jr versus andre ward i think oh what can you say about that i mean i've I mean, I side, I do, I'm going to put it out a show, I would side with Jones Jr. because he was just, a, a, at times, just the way he fought was just outstanding. And I think Andre Ward, although he was magnificent in his era and, and was one of the best super middleweights, and as you we know, just rightly mentioned, he outscored scored one of the best in Cole Frotch and, and Kessler. But I just think Jones Jr. is a middleweight, it was untouchable, and I honestly believe that. And I think, I think he would have Andre Ward would have really struggled with Jones Jr. At, at midweight division. Even moving up to light, like, even if you stuck him in the light like heavyweight division, it would have been an interesting fight as well. I just think that that would uh, two guys that I mean, Jones Jr. went on his career a bit too long and got beat. Um, but you know, Andre Ward, obviously undefeated, but oh, uh, it's a great, it's a, a mouth in fight. I'm really. Again, I, I, would, I would side with Jones Jr., but I think that would be a very interesting fight.
0: I think with this one, the interesting comparison between the two of them, Ward and Jones Jr. is that during their super middleweight campaigns, can we honestly sit here and say, apart from maybe one or two fighters that they fought in their super middleweight reigns, yeah could you honestly say they beat anybody else that was... That was legacy-defining. I mean, the Cal win for Andre Ward, obviously, at the time, Kyle Frox had an amazing run, and he continued to have a great career after the loss to Andre Ward, of course. But Roy Jones Jr., the same, you know, these two guys in the super middleweight division, they are arguably two of the best, and Roy Jones Jr. is one of the best, if not what the best, in, in the super middleweight division, of course, Massive arguments for that, of course, from different angles. But for me, it's difficult. Again, it's difficult because you've got two guys here in in their primes in the super middleweight division, really, didn't have that that legacy-defining test. And I think a fight like this against each other would have been that legacy-defining test because yeah. they would have gone in against each other with a sort of similar level of opposition and they could only beat what was put in front of them at the time, of course, let's, let's be honest. They could only beat who they were provided to fight at the time. So th- this would be a real 50-50 fight, 100% of 50-50 fight. And I couldn't, I couldn't call it to one particular fighter. However, I think for me, Roy Jones Jr. probably would have would have come out the victor in this one. And the reason I say that and my justification for Roy Jones Jr. winning a super fight like this is because I've seen things from Roy Jones Jr. that I've never seen from any other fighter before. Andre Ward, I don't think we ever really got to see the very best of Andre Ward because I don't think the level of opposition was there to really test him. And I don't want to discredit Carl Frotch. That was, wasn't Carl Frotch's night. But, I mean, the Sergey Kovalev fights were up in the light heavyweight division. He moved up to light heavyweight. So they don't really count in a super middleweight fight. So when you put it like that, you know, he'd not really had anybody that would have tested him like Roy Jones would have done. He wouldn't have been in the ring with anybody that could do what Roy Jones could do. And that's what I think would make it an intriguing fight. And that's, that's for me, why I'd probably the more side towards Roy Jones Jr. picking up the victory. I honestly couldn't see a knockout happening between the two of them. I really couldn't. I think Andre Ward was very good defensively as well as offensively. And I think Roy Jones Jr. was very good offensively. I think that was, for me, it was all about offense more than it was defense for him. And with Roy Jones Jr., I think you've got to look at the, the, the different variety of punches that he threw the the, the difference in, in the level of opposition is the two things that kind of make me sway towards Roy Jones Jr I think Roy Jones Jr for me was probably again I'm going to get slaughtered for it but I think he was probably the best super middleweight he was the best super middleweight for me there wasn't anyone else out there that could do what he could do and I think for that I think Andre Ward would struggle with a guy who he'd never really faced with that type of style before and I think that was why I would go with Roy Jones Jr. on a points decision. I think it'd be close. I think it would be a close point decision. I think you're looking at, you know, if I'm going to go into numbers, 116, 112, or 115, 113. I think it'd be close because I think they'd get the fair share of licks in. But I think Roy Jones Jr. would just have the edge for me, and it would be a Roy Jones Jr. win over Andre Ward.
3: Roy was a dangerous man, period. I'll just put it like that. He's a dangerous man. I, I, I don't even know. I don't even like to tap myself against guys that I looked up to. It's hard. I just respect
2: him. I give him their place, and, you know, I let the fans and the media, you know, debate that stuff. It's fun to see you guys debate it and talk about it, but, like, I don't, I can't even, like, think about that. Yeah, but that dude, man, he he was country strong, though. He, he was unorthodox. He hit you with something, man, and you'd be sleep for two weeks? Like, how did, he, how did he get that off? Body, upper, I mean, he did everything wrong right. That's why I fell in love with his style. I was like, man, this dude is breaking all the rules, but he's getting away with it, and he's got swag. So, yeah, we're always on another level man. Yeah, and I think I think you bang on, you hit the nail on the head where they both are considered to be great fighters. It's his middleweight, it's just that they're sort of it would have been great if they were in the same era. Uh, obviously Jones Jr. he was always touted to be fighting like Nigel Benn, for instance, or even Chris Eubank senior at the time. I mean there were two guys and then obviously Steve Collins come in and, and disrupted that and obviously another one that Nigel Ben beat was was McKellen as well McKellen and, and that, that would have been another and that would have been a blistering fight uh, in, in America um, and then Andre Ward obviously his fight was, was really that, his only other opponents was Colfwatch and Mikel Kessler really so you know Roy Jones beat Tony Ward beat Frotch They didn't get any other real fights. It's it's a tricky one, isn't it? But it's it's a good fight. It would have been an excellent fight, really. And I'm with you. I think Jones Jr. just did things that no one had ever seen ever do. So, yeah, I would side Jones Jr. What would be your next one, then, Shel?
0: Oh, well, this is a good one. This is one that I've uh, I've looked at quite recently. And uh, he's, 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 he's not really had me tearing my hair out, but it's certainly one that I would have loved to have seen. And it would have been in the featherweight division, and it would have been... Manny Pacquiao, when he was at Featherweight, taking on Prince Nazim Hamed at Featherweight. I think that would have been such an intriguing fight. An intriguing fight. Because you think about Manny Pacquiao in his Featherweight campaign, you know, the fights with Morales and Barrera and... Juan Manuel Marquez, it's just unbelievable. I mean, Prince Nazim Hamed had some fantastic fights, and we forget about victories over guys like Steve Robinson over the years, and the victories you know to, to win the world titles and defend the world titles. The only criticism is obviously the one mutual opponent that these guys shared the ring with during their respective times, which was Marco Antonio Barrera. Of course, you look at what Pacquiao was able to do against Barrera, against what Hamed did, I mean, various reasons outside of the ring led to led to why Hamed was so shy in the fight against Pereira, of course. But we're talking about <clears throat> a Prince Nazim Ahmed where he's fully focused, he's hungry against a hungry Manny Pacquiao. You know, peak guys that were that were not letting fame and money get to the heads, and I think this is the type of fight I would love to have seen because you had one guy in Prince Nazim Hamad who was so unorthodox and he could throw shots from anywhere and land and knock you out whereas you've got Pacquiao who was so, he's, he's always been a machine the guy's always been relentless in his attacks and the ability to, to stand and trade with, with fighters and the ability to pick them punches and get on the inside of the fighters is is something to behold over the years I mean the guy wasn't an 8 weight world champion for for no reason and currently a world champion in 2020 as we record this whereas obviously Nazim went into the super bantamweight division then moved up to featherweight, had some great success at featherweight, uh, had some fantastic punching power, it was clear to see he was a ferocious puncher in that division, the only difference is that he had times in certain fights where he would struggle with opponents so when I sat down and, and thought about it, realistically, I, I would love, from a British perspective, to see Nazim actually go and floor a guy like Pacquiao and get a victory over him. But my, my head started thinking about it and thinking about how relentless Manny Pacquiao is and the sort of pressure he puts on and the ability to be able to take a shot and get up from getting knocked down, as we've seen in the past. I think a guy like Manny Pacquiao could actually grind out a decision. Over a guy like Prince Nazim Hamad.
2: yeah, no, um, what a great pick, and and I, I'm with you. I think I think with Nazim, you know, he had that punch, that one punch power, and I just don't think it would have worked, even at his peak against a peak Manny Pacquiao. in the there was I think, I think Manny just, as you say, I think he would. I can't, I can't disagree with you. I, mean, I just think he would have been able to walk him down. I mean, the only time he ever really got absolutely sparked was obviously the Marquez fight, but you know that went not until sort of later on in his career, but. Yeah, featherweight, I just, you know, I, I don't think, even though Naz had some uh, he had amazing power, and again, you know, a bit like Jones Jr., wasn't he? he? was a bit, you know, he, he would do things that you'd never seen before. Um, and whether that would sort of disrupt and distort what Manny's trying to do, that's a possibility. I believe it was a fight that was a, potentially going to happen as well. If I remember rightly, I think it was after the Kevin Kelly fight. I think they were looking at doing it. and It didn't happen, or it was being told or spoke about. But... You know, it just didn't happen. But you know what? What I, I'm with you. I think I think Manny would just have too much in the bank. I just think he had enough about him. He'd have had a solid enough chin to have taken a nice shot. There would have been some close rounds. And I think, but I just think Manny would have just come out on top. But uh, uh, a great fight, a really excellent fight.
0: Off 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 the
2: cuff, I think a random one that. One of our British guys that many always think about as a wel- as a welterweight, but at junior welterweight or super light, however you want to put it, is Ricky Hatton. I always loved, We all love Ricky Hatton. We love the way he fought. And looking at the junior weight, welterweight division, the one guy that always springs to mind and I would have loved to have seen this fight for me is Aaron Pryor. I mean, wow. Aaron Pryor against Ricky Hatton. I mean, I couldn't think of a better fight for me. I mean, that would have been insane. So that's my next pick. And, and I think Aaron Pryor, I think, you know, he was relentless. So was Hatton. At junior world weight as well, I think they were both at their peaks at that time for me. And I thought they, they you know, they, they it was their perfect weight. It would have been massively interesting. I mean, Ricky is obviously not a guy that many are going to sort of stick in their top 10 sort of in the world weight division. But I think at junior world weight, I think he does slip slide in there. Um, obviously, Costa Zoo is another guy who we all know that was a magnificent fight. But, Aaron Pryor, that relentless energy. Ricky Hatton also had that too. Oh, I don't know. I I think I I will edge Pryor just because of his constant, just the way he would just be so in your face. Whether Hatton could have dealt with that. But when Hatton obviously had lost the weight, he 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 was in great physique, great condition. I think Hatton could have took it. And I think Hatton would have caused Pryor all sorts of problems. I think it would have been a very close fight. And I think it would have been just, I love the slugfest. I love that sort of fight. And I think them two would have just, (laughs) they would have stolen any show on any card that night, I tell you.
0: Well, as long as we don't have Panama Lewis in the corner of Aaron Pryor <laughs> with, uh, with his black bottle, you know, the one that he mixed, as long yeah. as, as long as we yeah. don't have yeah. that happening on that night, then, um, yeah, you're putting me in a difficult position because obviously I, I'm a lover. I've had, and, you know, in terms of I've, I've watched the guy grow up from, from 97 all the way up until his final fight in 2012 against Senchenko when he was just way past his best for coming back. But I watched the guy progress, I watched him go through the, the motions, I watched him go throughout the, the gears and beat up. All these world-level fighters and these fringe contenders are former world champions and eventually go on to beat Kostya who was ranked pound-for-pound pound third best in the world at that particular time when he beat him. And then, obviously, he goes into the welterweight division. He never really quite made it at welterweight for me, personally. But he obviously got his defeats to Pacquiao and to Floyd Mayweather Jr. But against a guy who fights in a similar way to him, I think yeah. you'd, you'd see a really exciting fight. You would definitely see a fight that I think would very much mirror the Costa fight with Ricky Hatton, but I think the difference with the Aaron Pryor-Ricky Hatton fight than the Ricky Hatton-Costa is that I think Aaron Pryor would have hung it in there all the way through to the end. I think Costa was a little bit older. I think a Costa a few years earlier would have given Hatton more problems on that night, but I think an Aaron Pryor at peak time and a, Kosti- uh, a Ricky Hatton at peak time, I think you would have seen an absolute ferocious fight, and I think He's, he's, he could have gone either way I don't want to be biased because for me I want to I want to say Ricky Hatton wins it with a with a stoppage with a body shot stoppage the beauty the beauty punch that he got against Jose Luis Castillo I think that's the type of punch I'd expect to see against an Aaron Pryor but we've seen how much of a of an animal Aaron Pryor is because you look at his his career and, and look at the legendary night we covered against Alexis Arguello for the podcast and that that uh, unbelievable desire and will to win was always there throughout his career. So I just think you would have a fight where no one would take a backward step. And if you're going to pick, a, I'm going to pick a winner for this particular fight. I hate to go against Hatton, but I think Pryor would edge it. I think Pryor would beat him, and I think Pryor might even stop him later on. You know, I think I look at Ricky Hatton and I know he loves them type of fights. They were the type of fights he relished having. But I just think Aaron Pryor was just that little bit better than Ricky Hatton. In, in different departments, and I think when I look at a fight between these two, I, I see Aaron Pryor stopping him later on in the fight, and I see Ricky Hatton having a good success early on, but I can't see him beating Aaron Pryor. I really can't. I think Aaron Pryor in the junior welterweight division or the super lightweight division in any era gives any fighter a problem. Oh, absolutely,
2: I, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, I'm with you. <laughs> I loved Ricky. I I was a massive fan, a bit like Carl Frotch, you know, I just enjoyed watching him fight. I was always you know, they he always kept you on the edge of You knew what you was getting with him. And just, you know, at, at Junior welterweight, Aaron Pryor was just a different machine, wasn't he? And I think the only other fighter I could think that could ever really beat Aaron Pryor in that division would probably be Julio Cesar Chavez Senior. I mean, it's the only one I could think of really. Um, other than uh Luce, the Argentinian fellow, I mean, possibly, but Even then, I just think Aaron Pryor was just a a machine. Uh, But what a fight it would have been. It could have gone either way, though. If Ricky, as you say, catches Pryor one of them body shots, you know, as long as he's not getting juiced up in the corner by Panama Lewis, I think I think he could well
0: get the win. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, it's a great fight. I mean, a notable mention, really, without going too deep into it. One that I had in my heart, mind was uh, was Ricky Hatton ato Ogati for for the super lightweight division. I think that would have been a fantastic fight for for super lightweight. But but the other one that I wanted to bring to the table, this is pure fantasy. This this is just pure the The battle of two brothers. Who's the best of these two particular fighters? The heavyweight division. Vitali versus Vladimir. For all the marbles, who would win that? Who is the better of the two brothers? Who is the better world champion? Who is the better brother? Oh God, you got me. I
2: don't know. I mean, I mean, the Vitali that that lost to Lewis, and then but he got he he got better after that fight, and he almost done Lewis. I mean, he was winning that fight if it wasn't for the cut. I think he was he was a monster. Um, and then you look at Vlad and how he started his career was was pretty poor. Um, and then he the way he was able to develop under Emmanuel Stud was outstanding. I mean he'd become this machine. Do you know what? I I would I would go against the grain. I mean, the younger brother was 10, Vlad was for me I, for for a long time I always just felt Vlad like was the better fighter. But I think that Vitaly, when he was at his peak, I think I think he edged him. I just think he he would he would cause problems that you know the, the likes of the young guys have done like like your your Tyson Fury's and I think Joshua's when they really put it on Vlad he, he struggled if he wasn't able to dictate and, and and sort of push his opponent around and use that long reach and the jab and lean on his fighters you know like we see against Pulev and against Povetkin as well I, I think I just think for when he was at his peak it was just oh, I remember when I, when I see that that. Lewis fight, I knew for that. For me, I felt Vitaly's going to just clean up this division, and obviously the younger brother comes through. But but Vitaly was it was he was a different machine. I think at his peak, I think he beat his brother. I will go for Vitaly over
0: Vlad. Well, I think I think a lot of people would agree. I think I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of people would agree, would agree. I think including me because when you look at the two contrasting careers for both of these men, although obviously Vlad went on to dominate the heavyweight division essentially and Vitaly was WBC champion for a long time. Came back and obviously beat Sam Peter, won the title, and then went on to have a, a relatively decent career. After that, I think for me, I think Vitaly was a, a, a more obviously a much more harder puncher. And it sounds stupid yeah. saying that because it's heavyweights. They both they all punch hard, of course they do. But I think when you look at the the, the sort of punching power he had. It was it was a little bit more than I think what Vlad had. I think I think you look at the fights Vlad was in. He didn't always, he wasn't always able to knock out his opponents. Sometimes he went to these twelve round ball-fest decisions that people would absolutely hate to watch. And why they hated the era of Vladimir Klitschko is because he was always in you know boring fights he'd use all his physical attributes to to negate his smaller fighters so you wouldn't really see him in exciting fights a lot of the time you'd always see him against smaller opponents who would eventually either go on to stop or he'd go in and against a 12 round decision and the biggest thing about Vlad the biggest flaw in Vlad is he was very much like what Frank Bruno was like for us here as Brits is that when he got hurt he got hurt and you knew he got hurt, and the other fighter would always sense it, and you look at the the fights he had against Corey Sanders, and Lamont Brewster, and the knockdowns he suffered early on in his career, he goes with Manny Stewart, and then obviously he he comes out, and pulls out an absolute fantastic performance, against Anthony Joshua, but loses to Anthony Joshua, in a fight that he could have potentially won, so I think with a guy like Vitale, I think Vitale would have been the the winner in that fight, and I think he, although he may have not been technically, the better boxer overall, I do think he was overall the better fighter uh, of the two brothers. And I think if his career would have gone a different way, and and you know maybe they wasn't in the same division, I think they both would have cleaned up their own respective divisions. And I think the difficulty was that they would never fight each other, so you'd never really yeah, find yeah. out. It was a possibility, weren't it? But they would never do it. Yeah. They told told their mum they'd never do it, so you never really got to see it. But it was just someone that it's just a fight that kind of. It always makes me think about it and think about who would be the the better the better brother and and ultimately the the better world champion overall.
2: Yeah, and I just think I think Vitaly was just a bit more nastier. I think Vlad was quite a nice guy, and I think I think Vitaly would have just he had he had a nasty side to him when he wanted it, and and I think that's what would have probably willed him through, I suppose, and 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 it would have just caused Vlad problems. I think he sort of stepped aside as well and let his brother take over for me. I think he could have. Been the guy to dominate the division. I just think he uh, obviously is a bit older, but you know I think you know the what he done against Lennox Lewis in that in that short fight that, that they had, and Lennox Lewis had you know although he there was intentions of a rematch, I think even Lewis felt nah, uh, no, I'm I'm not gonna even waste some time of, of fighting Vitali because he was just that monster. But yeah, I, I, the only other fight I can think of off the top of my head now is looking at a guy. That's actually moved up to the heavyweight division, and he's was a was the absolute cruiserweight legend, and, and dominated, and he also surpassed a certain Evander Holyfield. Is Evander Holyfield against Usyk, uh, Alexander Usyk? And I think what a fight that would have been at cruiserweight. We ain't touched on the cruiserweight division. It's not a division that many sort of you know, apart from you know, you got James Tony, and then you got David Hay. Although James Tony fought lower down, He's probably better lower down, but he still had a great career at cruiserweight. David Hay was another one. Dwight Mohammed is another one. One Carlos Gomez and Carlos De Leon was another fella. But for me, I think Evander Holyfield against Alexander Usyk would have been an absolute great fighter, cruiserweight. I would. I love. I love Usyk. You know, I've not hid from the fact that I still think he's got a lot to offer in heavyweight division. What a fight Evander Holyfield was at cruiserweight. I mean, what an impressive resume he had before he even moved into the heavyweight division. So. I would I would edge towards Holyfield but saying that Usyk is just a, he was just he, he's been outstanding hasn't he? he had an excellent amateur career and he's brought that into the pro like Lomachenko another guy that we could obviously do loads of fantasy fights with but yeah I still just edge towards Holyfield but then again I don't <laughs> know I still think I think Usyk has enough to do it um, but two guys obviously Van Holyfield was done what Usyk wants to do so be interested in Raducic can do that in a difficult era in terms of size for him. I think that's his biggest problem. Ah, oh, what what a magnificent fight! I really, oh. I I will say will say but I could I could quite easily see and see. What do you think, mate?
0: Well, mate, I tell you, this is this is an unbelievable fight for the cruiserweight division and a fight that I think people seeing the emergence of a guy like Alexander Raducic clean up the cruiserweight division with the World Boxing Super Series tournament. It makes you think what type of a fight you would have got between these two fighters. You've got a guy with sheer heart and the durability to to come back from total adversity against a guy who's just such a sublime boxer puncher that could could quite easily run rings and dominate a fighter like Evander Holyfield. And it, it just it would I would struggle, I'd struggle to pick a winner. People might say you know Evander Holyfield all day. But obviously, you're thinking about Evander Holifield, who moved up to heavyweight and became a four-time world heavyweight champion. I've got to think about Evander Holifield in the cruiserweight division, and I think he had a, a great cruiserweight resume. But I don't know if Alexander Usyk was, was better. I don't know if yeah. he was. I think he could have been. Yeah. I think he could have been. I'd have to sit down and put it on paper and, and really really study it. But when I think of, of the names Usyk beat, in this in this generation that he's he's unified and become the undisputed cruiserweight champion. I don't know whether he would he would have just outboxed a guy like Holyfield, who who has been shown to be able to be outboxed in fights of years gone by. I mean when he did move up to heavyweight obviously fought guys had great fights with Riddick Bowen and shown that there was some frailties there. In, in his fights but the cruiserweight it was, it was fantastic so it's it's a really really difficult one but I think if I'm going to stick my neck out and say who would win that one I think I'd go with Usyk on points for that one and I think that's that's the route I'd like to go down with it because I don't want to just go with the obvious pick of saying Holyfield because I think Holyfield for me I don't forget about his cruiserweight career but I always think about his heavyweight career and that's what springs out to mind to me and I think Usyk could one day go on to, to become the next Evander Holyfield and, and clean up the heavyweight division and have some great fights it's yet to remain to be seen of course but what what a great fight and a, a really really good pick and there's been so many fights that we could have sat here and covered for this episode and i just want to give a few notable mentions before we come to the end of the episode and fights that we could have easily sat here and talked about for hours on end so i've got a little list of a few of them here johnston i'm going to go through them one by one briefly so in the heavyweight division uh, one that was done as a video, in the 1970s, it came out in 1970, was Rocky Marciano versus Muhammad Ali, the super fight, the first simulated fight in history, one that would go down as a bit of a stink fest, but it was quite an interesting one to watch, and if you are interested in watching the super fight, you can actually find it on YouTube and look at all the actual possibilities that they filmed for that. So in the heavyweight division, I've got Rocky Marciano, Muhammad Ali, I've also got Joe Fraser and Mike Tyson There and another interesting one that cropped up when doing a bit of research for fantasy fights and what other people thought was old George Foreman versus young George Foreman. So, the George Foreman of his two careers. So, the George Foreman (laughs) from the 70s against the George Foreman from the late 80s and early to mid-90s. That's, that's, again, interesting. Another one, we've got Cal Frotch versus a combination of Nigel Benn and Chris Eubank. We've got Floyd Mayweather versus Tommy Hearns or Henry Armstrong. Manny Pacquiao versus Salvador Sanchez. And we've got... Another, I've got loads here. I've got absolutely loads that you could even talk about for hours on end. James Tony, Joe Calzaghe, Oscar Delahoye, Costa Zoo, uh, Roy Jones versus Chris Bird, uh, Pennell Whitaker versus Meldrick Taylor, Julian Jackson against John the Beast Mugabe, uh, Roberto oh. Duran versus Donald Curry as well. So there's so many. The the list is endless. The list is absolutely endless. Uh, even Triple G and Marvin is one that gets thrown about a lot recently oh, in this yeah. day and age as well. So. Yeah, there's, there's so many we could have sat and covered, but I've really thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed sitting down and, and racking my brains of, of how I could possibly see these fights going down. These are the types of debates you see all the time on social media with all the different boxing groups that are out there and different outlets that are out there, and it's, it's really good to actually sit down and sort of express our thoughts and feelings on, on some of these fantasy fights, and 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 obviously bring a bit of lightheartedness to 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 fans in a time of unprecedentedness and uncertainness and a time where I don't think has ever happened since probably the Second World War, where countries are going into lockdown and countries are uh, basically preparing for war or fighting a war against an invisible killer. So for me, this is this is something to bring to the fight fans that's different for us to listen to and different for us to get opinions on. So I want you, after listening to this, to go on to Twitter, uh, drop us a tweet, the BTR Boxing Pod, and let us know your thoughts. Obviously, on the episode about the fantasy fights, we spoke about some of the ones that the list there at the end, and also give us a list of your fantasy fights as well. I'd love to get everybody's list of fantasy fights to see what they would want to see, other than the ones we've already said. Because, like I said, the, the list is absolutely endless. So, it's been amazing, Johnston. Thank you so much as always for coming to the table with some fantastic fantasy fights.
2: Yeah, it's been brilliant. I mean, that, that list you ended there. I mean, there was I just just I mean, you could imagine there. Uh... You know, Emory Armstrong versus Salvador Sanchez is another one that I have fan and you know, there's there's so many you could you could run from. I mean, obviously the Sugar Ray both of them two at world Aweight would have been a, a fascinating duel, wouldn't it? How that would have gone? And Tommy Hearns, you know, I mean, he, he had endless fights. You could stick him in with, and obviously, you know, the Sam Langford to this world that sort of just get a little bit overlooked because he didn't get the world title shot, but he could have been just as famous and just as much of a star as a Jack Johnson. I mean, Jack Johnson and Joe Lewis and you know Sam Langford De- uh, MC or Tunney and Lewis you know it is this it's just endless endless yeah brilliant and, and it is a difficult time for everyone and you know just a bit of fun have a little look run through some fights and, and and you know keep you busy keep your mind away from what the shit that's going on at the minute and yeah just just you know just be safe that's, my, my, that's what I'm telling everyone today is just look after yourself look after your family stay indoors and you know as you mentioned the invisible killer which Boris mentioned last night it's, it's very real so you know hopefully this brings a little bit of light to to the situation everybody's in and uh, just, just look after yourself and be safe
0: absolutely I, I echo everything you're saying about being safe and staying home as much as possible I hope you've enjoyed this episode of BTN Boxing Podcast the fantasy fights episode I'm sure there'll be another one in the future and I hope you've really thoroughly enjoyed if you don't already follow us you can do so at twitter bti boxing pod and you can find the facebook page which is bti boxing podcast if you've not already subscribed to the podcast please do so by checking us out on apple podcasts and please leave us a rating and review Let us know your thoughts on the podcast and all the other episodes that we've got we've got the life and times series in the podcast feed we've got various different interviews and one-off episodes that we've covered so please go and check back through the feed if you've not already seen them we really appreciate All the listeners and all the downloads and everything that you've been doing to help grow this podcast over the past couple of years, we hope you stay safe and try and enjoy the time you've got with your family. We really appreciate you, Fight Fans, and we'll see you on the next episode. The dream is made real. Ricky
2: Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do
1: you like it? Wish I was fifty years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over.